Welcome to episode two of 115 Miles. In this episode, Josh and I explore the impact of the lockdown on addicts and people surrounded by addiction. We also look at whether it's right to be selling in this current moment. And finally, we take a look at a few reasons to be cheerful. We hope you enjoy. This is 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kaya. Living exactly 115 miles apart, our lives could not have been more different growing up, yet we find ourselves today as really good friends with many similar outlooks and perspectives. Join us on our podcast as we take a topical dive into life, work, culture and everything in between. Episode 2, 115 miles, Hass. We're back. We are officially podcasters. How do you feel, mate? I feel very good about that. I feel very good. Um, this has been something we have talked about for almost two years, and for us to come back for a second week is good going, I reckon. It, it is, it is. And I think we did a lot of stalling. I think, especially right at the very beginning, we sort of put it off, and we both talked about how keen we were to do it, and then we put it off. And I think there was some fear around it. From both sides, from both of us. And then we did the pod, we did it last week and we listened back. And what happened was I was on one of my morning walks in the lockdown and I listened to it through and I was almost surprised at how pleased I was. And I remember messaging, I messaged you and I was like, Cass, we're game, we're game. And then you listened. And I think once we heard that we're able to do this, uh, we've been away, right? Yeah. And we took that as momentum to not just have it recorded and sitting on a file somewhere to get it out and, you know, keep doing this and, you know, turn it into something that is a consistent activity, you know, between the two of us and something that we're proud of. So, yeah, well, look, you know, (laughs) number two, let's see how it goes. Uh, (laughs) One step at a time. One step at a time. And at the point of recording this, we are actually live. The first episode is live on Spotify Although we're not going to push it out yet. We're just waiting. We're trying to get the artwork and everything nailed down. But we are now at the point of getting ready to put this podcast out. And I am really, really excited with what I hope we can achieve with this. Genuinely. There's lots of parts of myself that I really want to be able to show to the world. And I've been through some stuff with it this week, actually. And I really feel like this podcast is an opportunity for me to be able to do that. So I, I, I don't know about you, but I'm buzzing. Yeah, me too. So tell us about this week. Uh, I've had a good, to be fair, I've had a good week in terms of the work that I've been doing. So the the webcasts and stuff that I've been rolling out with some of the organizations that I worked with, I've done some tweaking and I've gone from being terribly paranoid about doing them to like, yeah, I've got two webcasts today. Can't wait to jump on. So already I'm in a much better place with that. So when I'm doing well with my work, it always helps me internally and emotionally, right? Because it gives me a sense of purpose. Um, but other than that, you know, I've been doing stuff with the family. The weather's been nice, so it's helped, right? How about you? Yeah, do you know, for me, work is something I've always been quite confident around and optimistic about. So that's, even through all of this, it's all right. Even, you know, the ups and downs, the bumpy bits, clients maybe slowing down, that sort of stuff is, I can deal with that. Um, the thing I've been particularly proud of this week is is exercising every morning, you know, because that's really fired me up. It's fired up my brain. It's it's made me feel successful at the beginning of the day. And you know me, you know, that's a bit of a challenge, you know, for me to be consistent with it. 
And so I've really enjoyed that. I did, you know, I did my exercise this morning. I feel good. Um, You're looking trim as well, mate. Oh, cheers, man. Yeah, no, it's um, it's obviously from the uh, neck up. Uh, the rest you can't see. <laughs> <laughs> um, um, but uh, no, it, you know, trying to be more mindful around all the all the stuff that we talk about, which is you know, food, health, exercise. You know, making sure that the kids are getting their bits as well. So. No, I feel I feel really good about that, and the key thing is to kind of keep going one step at a time, one small step at a time, and and that's it. Tiny increments. And you set some intentions, actually. Talk about that quickly, because I think it's really good what you've done. I, I've been working on mine. I yeah. haven't yeah. haven't done them as well as I as I'd like to, but I've definitely got one nailed down. Cool. But tell me about the intentions that you that you've done. You know, um, we talked about this on our um, on our mates' uh, podcast that we were on earlier this week on Ollie's podcast, The Dog Days. And um, l- last week, I, I sort of by accident, I realised that it was the first of April. You know, because we'd been rolling into you know days, one day rolls into another, and that sort of stuff. And so by accident, I realised, ah, oh, okay, so it's the first of the month. It's the first of a quarter. Um, so I wanted to do something different. I wanted to set new intentions uh, for the coming period, whatever that might be, whether it's two months, three months, the whole year or whatever. But but not outcomes, not goals, not things I have to get done because that's kind of putting pressure on myself. So intentions is a way of being. And, um, you know, I, I set three intentions. One is to uh, bring routine into my life every day. So that's structure and routine. So I talked about the exercise and that's worked really well. The other thing is to be more, um, to have a positive relationship with food. So actually uh, making sure that whilst I'm eating well, I I won't give myself a hard time if I have an extra chocolate bar or, you know, uh, one drink too many or whatever, you know, just being absolutely all right with it. And then the uh, the third one was, you know, the intention is to spend the right time on the right things. And what I mean by that is, not you know not putting loads of pressure on myself to do things get you know get new hobbies off the ground or spend loads of time on work or more time with the family if I felt guilty about not spending enough time with the family the right time on the right things are the things that are resonant and that make me happy and make other people around me happy and that's it and And I think that's useful in this in, in, in the times that we're in right to rather than the pressure of the goal setting because the goal I think the there's actually I've seen a meme floating about on a lot of social media and it's being uh, the, the version that tears it apart floating about as well. Now, I don't know if you've seen this. It's something like if you don't smash your side hustle or get your new project off of the ground or if you don't achieve something major in this time that we're in lockdown, then you have failed lockdown, right? Uh, which I think is hugely problematic. And there's now a meme going around that tears that apart and says, look, we're in a crisis. Do whatever you can to get through but not just in terms of in the situation that we're in that actually resonates with me intentions resonates with me much more than goals i've always felt a little bit uh uh like bad because i don't fully resonate with goals apart from my three main goals that i had when i left my old job i'm actually i'm much i work much better in like in the moment and sort of almost a bit scattered because that's kind of how my mind is. And so having intentions and a way of being actually resonates with me much stronger than goals do. Not just now, but in general. I think for me, I'm much more wired in the same way, which is just, you know, being agile and 
doing what comes to mind and, you know, and spinning lots of plates. And I, I actually take a lot of energy from that. And I also know and experience the value of having proper goals in place because you mm. have you have your context, which is your being, your intentions, and then what you're aiming for. And then you've got to decide the how. And that's what we spend a lot of time. You know, Chris and I, the work that we do with our clients is we do the purpose work. Who do you want to be? What kind of dream are you setting for yourselves? And then the, the important bit is to ha- how do you make it real? And, that, and that's mm. why goals are really powerful. But they may be sometimes less resonant for a lot of people in organizations because um, it, it's sort of it's when the rubber hits the road. It's where it starts to get pretty gritty and you feel a little bit more constrained. Because, but actually, it's liberating. There's, a, there's, a, there's an old proverb, um, if you fail to plan, you plan to fail. Mm. And I like that because actually that's, you know, that there is something about it. But for this particular instance, I think the context was more important, the being, you know, the intention. So come on, you mm. said you've been working on yours. Yeah, yeah, what, yeah. What have you got? The, the main intention is to, is to become more, I know what I'm thinking, I just need to try and word this right, to become slightly more purposeful in the way that I work, yeah? Because I, I've i just said that I like being quite scattered and having a bit of a purpose. Uh, sorry, like, I like being kind of scattered. And like you said, I draw energy being a little bit like that. But actually in that as well, I can find myself putting a lot of energy into something and working really, really hard, as in the, my output of energy is really, really high, but I'm not actually getting a lot done, right? I'm more just sort of vibing in the moment and not actually achieving any of the real nitty gritty stuff. And, and and so so in a way, I've said that goals don't resonate necessarily with me, but it's actually to, to have them more and work towards them. And I guess when I say that goals don't resonate with me, it's not that I don't think I should need them or use them. It's that they, it doesn't come naturally to me. And that's why I work. That's why you're really good for me because you will always bring me back as well to that focus, by the way. You're always like, what's the end goal here? Whereas I like to go down a dreamy alley of, I'm just down here vibing. Whatever will be, will be, which is which is nice. But I also, I definitely need that focus more. And I've talked about wanting to put together, you know, a, a, a bigger catalogue of workshops and, and what I'm able to do in, in that sense. And I need to be much more purpose-driven in that. You know, I think it's, the, the simple way to look at it is heart and head, right? Your heart feels what it feels, right? And your heart feels is, is more around um, intentions and being. Uh, and then the head part needs to play a role as well, which is is understanding that actually you, you can't just operate on that alone and, and move moving into the um, into the kind of place where you, make plans is and and action against those it just means that you're being more efficient smarter um so good listen i wanted to ask you something um okay. for this podcast today because i think it's something that you have a lot of experience in and um and a, and a strong perspective i think that would help a lot of people and i'm curious you know as we're in lockdown you know, we can go out once a day for exercise. But other than that, you know, we've got to be staying at home unless we're a key worker and stuff like that. And we can you know, work from home. And if, if you're not working at all, that's a that's a um, that's a challenge in itself. And I'm curious about what's happening for addicts at the moment. Right. There is, you know, and I'm curious because you're locked in. So you've got less things to distract you. 
you're locked in depending on wherever you are on your journey and access to things is much harder access to money access to um you know whatever you might be addicted to is more restricted so what's happening and you know and i know this is a very general question and each person's experience is very different but what is happening for people who are you know either recovering um or in the in, you know in in the in the fog of addiction at the moment mm. well let's take the, the the people that are in the fog of any addiction at the moment right firstly we need to kind of define what we mean by addiction right i believe that addiction is not something that's binary i think it's a sliding scale that actually we all sit somewhere on um and I, the best definition i know of addiction is anything that i do for temporary relief that has an adverse effect in the long run and that i continue to do and obsess about anyway right so when you take that definition what you start to realize because when when we think of addiction we think of drugs and alcohol right we think that that's what we're thinking of but actually there's going to be a lot of people that are really struggling with their work addiction right now because they can't they can't use what they normally use to escape from from their reality and that that's sometimes work that might be um there's you know there's a million and one different behaviors that 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 can be addictive right it's not just substances and addiction is not as simple as take away whatever it is that you're addicted to and the problem goes away addiction is for me um my beliefs around it addiction is an attempt at a solution so if we're talking about somebody that's say addicted to drugs right now and and i would imagine drugs are pretty hard to get hold of right now i don't particularly know but but let's assume they are right they're harder to get hold of what you've actually done is taken away somebody's attempt at a solution so now what they're left with is their problem whatever it was they were trying to run away from or escape um has been taken away from them so 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 now they're hurting now they're in pain and when somebody's in pain they act erratically so if you can think of those people if they're living with any kind of family their family now has a very erratic acting person uh within the family if you take the addiction being alcohol now what you have is an opportunity to uh be in your addiction 24/7 there's no work stopping you so so these people are potentially now drinking 24/7 right so their addiction now is is worse than ever and anybody that's living with addiction addiction is a family illness so lots of children and this is the work that I do I I I do a lot of work for children affected by a parent's drinking these children normally get their respite by going to school right they often won't like weekends because that's where they're at home and their mum or dad drinks too much and so now they're locked in with that and so the distress and the the um the utter chaos that they are under um is never ending and they it's not even like the summer holidays where they think I just got to get through to September and then I'll be okay i mean they don't even know when it's going to end and they are really one of the forgotten groups in all of this um because it's not really it's not really being talked about and it and it's a huge problem and they're almost completely unreachable right now with no respite with what they're living with the the young people so it's a huge problem in that sense and what 
given that the, there is no end in sight, for the, you know, addiction being a family problem, mm-hmm. what can people who might be listening to us today, if they're living with it, you know, i.e. they're supporting somebody or they're living with somebody that's going through those challenges themselves, what can they be, what can they be drawing into? What can they, what can they be doing? The question is one that doesn't have any easy answer, right? If you're living with somebody now and you're trapped in with somebody um, that's actively in addiction, the reality is there's there's probably some kind of addictive behaviour in you too. Let's start with that. If you're if, I mean, if it's your partner, then it could be that you have your own um, set of traumas, right? That, that that you're trying to nurse and deal with in your own way too. Um, that's not to say that you deserve anything that, that, that you're getting. I'm just saying that there's a hell of a, a, a complex net here going on. But I would always say to anybody that's living with somebody with an addiction problem that you have to put yourself first, right? And there's something called that we use in the charity, NACOA, that I'm an ambassador for. It's called the six C's. Now, I'm going to try and remember it, but it's you didn't cause this. You can't control this. Um, there's six and I've done two you didn't cause it you can't control it uh, and then it goes on to say things like um, but you can look after yourself you can make better decisions right and here's the thing when we talk about addiction when we're talking about the sufferer the person trapped in the addiction I will always talk about a compassionate approach to helping them and if you're a loved one living with them you do whatever the heck it is that you need to do to put yourself and your well-being first and you put that above the person in addiction every single time, if and when you can. Now, that might sound contradiction. Now, what I believe is that we, we what we need is community, right? If somebody's trapped in addiction, it's the community that need to be able to support that person because their loved ones normally can't because their, their well-being and internal world's being affected too. Does that make sense? It does make sense. And actually, it, it, it resonates with me because when I'm out coaching people in the world um one of the things that we talk about is is the analogy is put your oxygen mask on first Mm. and Mm -hmm. where that comes from is the notion of you know when you're sitting on a plane and you're about to you know back when we used to be able to be on a plane um (laughs) (laughs) um, you know you're sitting on a plane you're strapped in you're ready to go and you look at these you know these cards uh, in front of you around what to do in an emergency event and you see that, you know, the oxygen mask pops down um, and it, what does it tell you to do? It tells you to put the oxygen mask on yourself first. Your instinct will probably be if you're a parent or if you're with somebody that you love is to try and save them first, because naturally that's what we want to do. We want to protect the people around us. But the likelihood is if you don't put the oxygen mask on yourself first, then uh, the two of you or the rest of you will all perish, right? So you've got to take the oxygen mask yourself. And so when we're out in the world and there are people responsible for teams and responsible for other people or responsible for families and there's a lot of pressure and, and what you're trying to do is help the other people, the only way that you can help them is by helping yourself first, by taking the oxygen mask. So that really resonates. Um, I have a question around addiction, just super quickly, not to kind of, you know, to, to, to dive too deep because I know it's a very very you know it's not something that you can just cover in a short podcast but um 
I'm curious around some like the stages of addiction. Is it binary? Is it either you're an addict or you're not? Or do you do you lead towards addiction? Again, I understand that it's, you know, it is different for every person going through that journey. I guess the reason for my question is there will be people who consume a lot of what it is they consume, but don't necessarily consider themselves an addict or um, maybe haven't quite gotten to that place, whatever that yeah. might be. And those people will be really probably struggling in this moment. So, so tell me about that. So here's what I think. I think addiction is not, I, I don't think we should get rid of the word addiction, right? Um, but I do think it is to it's binary. Now, I think as, as people, we like it to be binary because if we have this binary definition of what it is, then as long as we don't go to that definition, then there's no problem, right? You, you take me with the way that I used to drink. I used to say to people, I feel like maybe I should stop drinking. They say, mate, you still got a job, haven't you? You don't drink every morning, do you? And I say, no. And they go, are you all right? Yeah. And I wasn't all right. I wasn't all right. So the best way I think and what I think we should start promoting when it comes to addiction uh, is talking about a relationship with whatever it is, the substance or behavior. And I'm talking alcohol, drugs, gambling, sex, work, um, helping people, whatever it may be. Uh, all of that can be addictive. Um, what's your relationship with it, right? So if you take a, a loving relationship, a normal relationship, let's take a marriage, right? If somebody comes to you and said, I'm struggling with my marriage, you wouldn't just go, well, stop it, end it then, right? You say, hang on a minute, well, what's going on? And then you would start to look at what's going on in the marriage. Now, if somebody said, they're cheating on me all the time, I just feel like I don't want to be here as a result, da, 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 then you might say, whoa, this has got really, really toxic. I don't think you can rekindle this relationship. It needs to, to end. But they might say, you just fall out every now and then yeah and sometimes it's not it's not very good right and you can say well what happens when you do that and it's like well this happens and that happens and you say okay well let's try and work on that because it's not like this is this is a toxic relationship you're just having difficulty and if look let's use an example of alcohol if you feel like you're doing it a little bit too much on the weekends right or you feel like sometimes in the week you're doing a bottle of wine when maybe you shouldn't it's not about saying am i an addict or not it's about saying Let's address my relationship and see what I can do to improve it with that. That's why I will never, ever, um, like, say that alcohol is terrible. Or you'll never hear me bash alcohol, right? I, I don't not drink because I think alcohol is bad. I don't not drink because I thought it was too bloody good, right? That's why I don't drink. So you'll never see me really, like, bash it. Actually, what we, what a lot of us need to do is address our relationships with it. Does that make sense? Makes an incredible amount of sense. So for people listening, if they maybe are feeling in that zone, is to really do some reflection and, and, and try and understand their relationship with what whatever it is that they feel that they're you know, consuming too much of at the moment. Yeah, it could become mindful about it. You know, quantity and regularity, these things are going to play a part, but actually they're, they're not the main bulk of the problem. If you have a glass of wine every night with your dinner just because it's nice to have it with your dinner, you're not emotionally reliant on it, you're not physically reliant on it, right? It might not be the most healthy thing for you to do every single day, but it also doesn't mean that you've got an addiction problem just because you're doing it every day. We need to look better at the relationship with it. 
There is one thing on this subject that I wanted, a question I was going to ask you to see what your thoughts on it. Let, I, I've seen a lot of stuff floating about on this and people have talked about um, the links between domestic abuse and addiction, right? And so a lot of people have said ban alcohol. And that I think one country, I think it's Greenland, have actually banned alcohol during lockdown. Do you think that would be beneficial? Do you think that would help? Do you think that would be a good measure to take? I don't think it would be a good measure to take because it, uh, it's, I mean, it's a very complex subject, but, you know, what's to say that, you know, the links between addiction and domestic violence, what's to say that that suddenly that would go away? You know, mm -hmm. you know, if somebody's an addict and they can't go out, they can't deal with it, they're locked up in four walls, where are they going to take out that uh, uh, frustration and aggression? It's going to be on the people that, you know, that are most at uh, risk, vulnerable. So I don't necessarily believe that that is something that would have a, a, a productive outcome. And actually, I, and I totally agree with you, and that's why I asked. And actually, I think the opposite could be true, right? The, the links, but there are links between uh, alcohol abuse and domestic violence. But I want to try and word this in the way that makes this right. Um, alcohol abuse is not the, is not linked to domestic violence, if you know what I mean. People who get involved in domestic violence often abuse alcohol too. But that it's not because they abuse the alcohol that they then start beating on their partner, right? Uh, actually, what it is is sometimes a lot of people who do that kind of thing also have an alcohol abuse problem. So... There's lots of people with alcohol problems who never, ever get involved in domestic violence in that way, right? Um, and so I think that's really important to highlight. But also, exactly as you said, if you take alcohol away from somebody who's struggling with alcohol addiction, just taking the alcohol away actually makes the problem worse. And you speak to any child of an alcoholic about their struggles of living with a parent who drinks too much, and they will very often not talk about what they were like when they were drunk. They'll talk about the feelings and the behaviours and every and all the traits and everything that comes with it, right? Which is all part of it, but is actually not directly linked to the alcohol. Take away the drug from somebody who is addicted to the drug, you still have an addict. Yeah. You don't you don't remove the addict just by removing what they're addicted to. So I just I thought that was really worth highlighting because um, it's a lot of people are quite surprised in me when I say I don't think alcohol is a bad thing and I don't I certainly wouldn't ban it and actually this is a topic for another podcast but let me tell you this people ask me about drugs and I would decriminalize all of them right so so that's my view on it right I, I just pushing it underground doesn't work so uh, and I really want to come back to that topic because I, th I think that's a really important topic uh, to discuss because a lot of what we live in society today in the 21st century is legacy from previous centuries that just keeps getting rolled forward and isn't necessarily fit for purpose whether you're you know and there will be so many views on this people that are impacted by other people who are you know who, who take drugs um will have a strong opinion on this you know so but i think it's something we should definitely have a chat about in the future definitely definitely so something else that I wanted to talk about, this is something that's been quite prevalent on, certainly on my LinkedIn page, 
uh, I, I think it's the same for you. And this is the selling during the corona, the coronavirus, during this pandemic. And is it okay to, how do I word this, find a niche and cash in on it? Is that is that fair to say that? Yeah, I mean, I, I think... I think there is some opportunism going on. You know, it's starting to show up in your in your social feeds. You're seeing things like, you know, you need a face mask. You know that sort of stuff, and yeah, um, yeah, yeah. it's going to happen. You know, capitalists are always going to be capitalists. Entrepreneurs are always going to be entrepreneurs. Um, but it is leaving a bad taste in a lot of people's mouths because because it does feel like you know over opportunism does it leave situation. a bad taste in your mouth it doesn't actually because i sort of understand what's going on i don't really pay attention to the ones that i think are really uh you know really trying to take advantage um it, it doesn't it doesn't pull my energy I have a view that I think everyone's just trying to survive and do what they need to do. Some people are better funded and therefore they can kind of push it a bit harder. They can pivot much more easily. Other people are, you know, just trying to figure out a way in this world because they're, they're well shifted overnight okay. almost, right? Yeah, yeah. It just completely, they had a business plan, they had a model, they had a set of clients, they, you know, and then suddenly it goes away. And so what do you do? Do you just stay still and hope it comes back or do you try and do the best you can? Yeah. So I think that's okay. So um, I'm going to hypothetically speak here um, to, you know, to play devil's advocate almost. Um, I've got a load of hand sanitizer in stock that normally sells for two pounds. Uh, I'm not selling a lot of other stuff at the moment, so I'm a little bit worried about my bills. So I've whacked them up and I'm selling them for £15 each now. Do you have a bad taste in your mouth, Hass? Yeah. You do? I do. All right, yeah. Okay, yeah. so you called it out. Um, when I think about something like that, I think what that's doing is it's, it's, it's preying on people's insecurities and fears. It's, it's, it's hyping up the scarcity issue. And, and it's not putting humanity first. Right. And and so for me personally, now that you've pulled it out on a specific topic, I actually I actually don't like it at all, because what's what you're okay. doing is you're price jacking based on people's fears and uh, and worries. And it brings out the worst in society, not the best. OK, yeah, good. Right. And by the way, I'm not selling hand sanitizer for 15 pounds to make money. For 1399. I know you're a good guy. <laughs> but I'm playing devil's advocate and I'm going to stick on this now and I'm going to throw another one at you. OK, so a, a variation of, of what is essentially the same thing. Uh, so I, I do a lot of selling online. Right. Normally this uh, pandemic's come along. I saw it come in. I saw the struggle. So I invested in a load of multivitamins. Right. And I'm pushing out a load of Facebook ads now saying these multivitamins are the best thing for your immune system. I'm not, I'm not linking it to Corona at all, but I'm saying, I'm thinking, look, people are now worried about their immune system. Uh, I'm just a seller. This is what I've always been. And I'm now pushing out these multivitamins with an advert that says, um, these are great for your immune system. Do you have a bad taste in your mouth, Hass? Less so. 
the the question is what validates your claim if your if your claim is true yeah if it's presented in a way that says this will boost your immune system and the facts behind it are true i have less of a problem with that because if it's true and you're i guess you're selling them at a reasonable market rate you're not jacking them up i've got no problem with that because you have a stock people will get access to it you know i'm cool with that yeah yeah so you're cool basically because i've i've found the need and i've met that need right with the multivitamins and by the way i'm not selling the multivitamins uh, either but it will i suppose it does that it does lead on quite nicely i'll give you one more right house i'm a resilience coach and i work with organizations and individuals and i go in and i deliver in-person workshops around resilience right uh, since the pandemic came, um, I'm unable to do that anymore. And I realized that I can take this online and there's a huge need for resilience now. Right. And so I've created a webcast online and I'm working with organizations to deliver this webcast. Do you have a bad taste in your mouth, Hass? Nice pitch. Um, <laughs> <laughs> nice one. I see how you did that. Lead me down the garden path so that you can. Uh, uh, I set that up and yeah, batted it out yeah, of the park, mate. Amazing. Yeah. Um, see? Yeah. I um, I do not have a bad taste in my mouth, right? And that is because, you know, you're doing what... Firstly, like, let's break it down. Firstly, you're doing what I said uh, at the beginning of this, this topic. You know, you are just trying to find a way through. But it's bigger than that for you. Y your purpose is so important to what you do. You know, you don't just... You've never just done this for the money. You've done it because it's really important to you. And going into organizations and working with individuals is what your purpose is and helping them kind of, you know, understand resilience and become more resilient. And right now, that's what we need, right? Mm. So it's not just about you keeping your business going. That's a part of it. It is about the fact that the work that you do is so important now, especially that you have to, you know, you have to adapt it. Um, if you had jacked your prices up, like, you know, the first example, then I, that would leave a bad taste in my mouth. But actually, yeah. you know, you've been, you know, you've been, you've done, you've gone the other way. You've looked at what can I do this for in the best way possible that makes sense for them and makes sense for me. And I think that's really honorable. So, um, and the key thing is to try and influence as many, um, uh, influence and educate and make people feel heard in the best, most scalable, uh, scalable way possible. So I think that's fine. Um, if you'd have said to me that actually you were you were using copy and language to really um, to really jump on the fears that people are feeling, I'd have a word with you. Yeah, yeah you know yeah. I would. Yeah, I know you would. I know you would. And I guess look, the reason why I started off at that real extreme example and then moved it through is because I do think like like with anything, right, there is a grey area in between here, right? There are going to be people that are, and I guess the multivitamin one, I was trying to pitch something that sits right on the line where you could have an opinion either way. But I think what tends to happen online is we go really, really binary, right? Somebody does a post about the hand sanitizers at £25, right? Everyone goes, rightfully so, this is disgusting, we don't like it, right? Then somebody sees the multivitamin one and thinks, right, yeah, I'm on this bandwagon as well. And so they start calling that out. And before you know it, everybody who's kind of done the, the whole pivot and taken their passion and their purpose and adapted to be able to survive in this time... All of us, and I haven't been called out, by the way, but but 
But I have seen people just outright calling out anyone online that's willing to sell in this, and now's not the time to sell. And um, I also think they're wrong, too. I think that they're wrong. And so, like anything, it shouldn't be binary. And I guess that's the point I was trying to highlight in the asking you about bad tastes in your mouth. Look, how can we judge people for surviving? You know, the, the employment rate, uh, unemployment rate is rapidly increasing. The impact on lives and families is significant. Everyone is just trying to do what they're trying to do. So I think, you know, we shouldn't sit here in judgment. When we highlight those particular things around, you know, around cases against humanity, I think we should call that stuff out, you know, if you see it. Um, and I think that's okay to do. I mean, there is something here around, you know, and I talk about this in my coaching, there is something here around to being tone deaf. And I watched a Gary V, um, little uh, Gary V uh, pod, uh, piece, uh, of content. piece of content, thank you, um, where he was talking about don't do the hard sell, but but brand, do branding, you know, like be be out there, do podcasts, do content, you know, put videos out, be present. But if you're going in for the hard sell, that's tone deaf right now. And actually people are just not into it. So actually just as a bit of advice, it's, you know, of course sell what you're selling, but understand your audience, understand the world, understand that some people are just not looking to be sold to. So you've just got to be, you know, confident as much as you can be and put yourself into a place where you are pushing yourself and developing your brand or your perspective or your persona uh, and and add an incredible amount of value wherever you can that's my philosophy is just be as valuable as you can right now and understand that we are going to get through this and at some point your, your business will get back on track for, i understand for a lot of people that's not going to be the case and there will be a lot of casualties from this thing but there's there's just the fine balance you know of going hard sell and being tone deaf or um you know doing something that is a bit more nuanced and and you know what actually the on the gary v thing i know his his message has always consistently been right either sell or don't sell hasn't it right it's been do the branding and, and like do what you're doing put your content out there that's just free that's just giving value and all that stuff but when you're going to sell be quite open and honest about selling and it does make me think there is one worse type of person, and I'm going to call this out, than the man selling the hand sanitizer for £15, yeah? Right? Because at least the man selling it for £15, like, I know there's a lot of stuff going on out here, yeah? And I'm selling it for £15 because you can't get hold of it anywhere else, right? At least he's saying it as it is. I hate it when it's, and how can I say this? When people start dressing up this, the exact same cell as that, right? But they try and coat it in glitter and dress it up as something pretty and nice, yeah? I'm selling hand sanitizer for £15 and I'm going to give some of the profit to uh, a charity, right? Yeah? Or something like that, right? And when they say some of the profit, they mean a pound of it. So they're still making the £14, right? When you see that, I actually think that's even worse because then you're really, really... You're, you're playing on the fear and all that stuff. And then you're trying to con people. And I see this not just in the coronavirus stuff, but I I see this quite often, uh, like across uh, when you the, the way that people advertise. And, and, and I actually think that really fooling and misleading people into thinking that you're really something that you're not is, uh, 
I think that's awful. I, and it really grinds my gears, actually, when I see it. Um, um, but I'm not too into call-out culture, so I don't get, I don't find myself on social media calling it out in that way. But but that, you want to talk about bad tastes in your mouth, yeah? That gives me a bad taste in my mouth, Has The, uh, the, the businesses that sort of position themselves as, as movements or, you know, the, uh, the social causes. And I, I guess the thing, you know, let's, let's maybe pick this up, this topic up again another time. But yeah, the, I think it's a good one. A belief or a desire, you know, may not manifest in, in the world um, at that exact moment um, as when they are kind of communicating it. Mm. But I do think there's a lot of a lot of businesses, individuals, personalities that do trade off of the we're we're for the people. But actually, it does. It doesn't feel like that. Um, Yeah. All right. So so I um, thought it would be nice in this current kind of place that we're in societally um, with the news being entirely, you know, 80 percent covid related or corona related for us to end our podcasts on something called reasons to be cheerful mm. and what that is is just nice title has yeah. nice title Thanks, mate. Man. yeah you. well thought of <laughs> we do, you know we're a team <laughs> uh, so reasons to be cheerful is uh just taking anything really um whether it's something we read in the news something that we experienced something that you know we saw in our friends or our family just anything you know that gives uh us uh a reason to be cheerful uh, you know about mm-hmm. the week ahead a week the week that's just gone past so w- what's your reason to be cheerful Look, has i don't want to do mine first i want you to do yours first because i think yours is going to be better than mine <laughs> i don't know and okay so i want you to bring yours first okay okay um it's your blimmin segment mate yeah but you know that's why i wanted to ask you mate <laughs> <laughs> All right. Okay. So I understand what you've done there. So you, you, yours better be really good now. Um, my reason to be cheerful is, is I call it second chances. All right. Okay. Second chances. So, uh, you know, I'm a diehard Liverpool fan, Liverpool football club. And, um, I think we've had a brilliant season and I'm not going to bait you and I'm not going to get you to start talking about why it hasn't been a brilliant season. But for me as a supporter, it's been a brilliant season. I think the club has acted really well. Um, Klopp has been an incredible manager that, you know, that, you know, everyone's favorite manager. Right. And the way he came out around, um, you know, the NHS and the first line su- support uh, was was incredible. Then I read that uh, Liverpool were one of the first clubs in the Premier League to furlough their non-playing staff. Disgusting. Yeah. Like. They recorded 48 million in profit last year. Profit. Yeah. And the cost of furloughing would be about probably about a million, which they could easily cover. And they've got deeper reserves than that, right? Not even outside of the club. So for them to do that to their people, where they say, you're a family, we're all a family, and that's Melwood, and, you know, but actually you're not. I felt really, really disgusted with that and a lot of Liverpool fans did spirit of Shankly you know raised it and we spoke with our voice and you know obviously the media lambasted them rightly and why I'm cheerful is that they said you know what we fucked up we made a mistake we got it wrong it doesn't it doesn't exemplify who we are as a club and we're gonna reverse that and we're gonna find other ways should they have done it no 
But what I'm, the reason I'm cheerful is second chances. They took a second chance and they've made good on it. And I feel I feel whole again, you know, uh, as a Liverpool mm. fan. So that's my reason to be cheerful this week. Right. I wish I hadn't let you go first. <laughs> no, I, 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 and I do agree with you. I, I like the, the the fact that they've listened and they've changed their mind. I think the Liverpool fans across Brighton and London and the rest of the south of England will be really happy with what Liverpool have done. <laughs> uh, so my reason... So here's my... I want to make a quick point, actually, that I had a, I had a look last night and you can't find any on the news apps. So I used two news apps and I went on all of them and there wasn't one story on either of them that I could pick out. So I then did Google uh, reasons to be cheerful, which came up with nothing. Uh, so mine is slightly boring. Now, I watched a video by Simon Sinek recently. I tagged you in it, actually, on Insta. And he talked about um, not using positivity at the moment, yeah, but being more optimistic. And I can't remember his exact words, but his idea is that positivity is blindly pretending that we're not in a struggle, whereas optimism recognises that we're in a struggle, but also recognises that there's light at the end of the tunnel. And so this is still Corona-related, but uh, I have noticed that there was a big party in China yesterday. Um, they lit up the city in uh, Wuhan. They did a big light show. They opened the roads. People were getting on planes. People were getting in the cars. Uh, the whole city is, is open again, right? Um, and we're actually starting to see some uh, openings across Europe as well. I think Denmark... Um, or the Czech Republic are having what they're calling the resurrection on Tuesday after Easter. Uh, and they're starting to open places up again. Now they're going to start going back out on the streets. And as much as we, you know, are all starting to adapt to what is the new normal and things like this, I really do think that it's worth spending. A, it's a good way to end really um, focusing on the fact that the light is there at the end of the tunnel that we will come through this. And although there might be a new normal, which I don't think will be much different to the old normal once we're back and out and about after all the period of time, is that we will get to go back to the world that we had, right? Um, and I, I'm i going to talk very quickly about, we, we had a holiday booked in, in May. And you don't really get to talk about this, right? Because there's bigger fish to fry and stuff like that. But my kids are, you know... They're devastated that we're not going to be going on holiday, right? But it's not that the holiday is cancelled, it's that it's postponed, right? And eventually, this is all going to stop and we'll go back to, to the life that we had and we'll start recording podcasts in a nice minty studio, yeah? 115 miles will be huge by the time we get out. Uh, and I know that's uh, not as good and as topical as yours, but um, it was the best I could find at the moment. Well, I think it's a perfect way to uh, to end a podcast, to be honest. It's uh, optimism, not positivity, light at the end of the tunnel. We will get through this. I can get with that. Okay, good. And I'm very happy. So, uh, Has, have you got anything else to add before we shut this down? I feel like it's been another good episode, if I do say so myself. I think it has been a brilliant episode. I've really enjoyed the conversation, as we always do. Everyone, be healthy, stay well, enjoy whatever you can enjoy, and uh, let's be optimistic about. Let's the next... be optimistic, yes. And I will finish by saying, 
Eventually, we may have some kind of social media page for this podcast, but for the time being, you can find me and Hass on LinkedIn mainly, I think is the best platform to come and find us. But as this evolves, it's all going to grow and you'll see more of us and there'll be a better way to enter our community. Thanks again for listening to 115 Miles with Josh Connolly and Hassan Kai. Wouldn't say my day.